I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck as foils attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings report in. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. There's nothing amazing about it. I know this ship like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott! Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Nerd Alert! Hello there, it's Obi-John Kenobi, your favorite host in all of podcasting, and welcome to an all-new Nerd Alert. Today is going to be a very interesting, very special, weird episode, because we're kind of taking a few ideas some of us had and cobbling them together and seeing how it works. It's, it's kind of a throwback. If you're a long-time listener of the channel, you might remember a, a now-defunct show Jay and I used to do called I'd Watch That, where the two of us would get together and pitch a movie, basically, and then we'd take ideas we'd throw out and, and crack the story outline of a movie. We're kind of going to do that today, but it's going to be a little different. But Before we get to that, let me introduce uh, my first co-host, the man who keeps the nerd in top nerdy to me. Please welcome to the bridge, Commander Scott. The General's Daughter. Ring any yeah. bells? Anybody? Uh... No. Pat, Patty Benjamin? Patty, Patty Benjamin? Any minute? No, 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 no. That would be an admiral's daughter. Admiral's daughter. Ah, yeah, yeah it was an admiral's daughter. No. Uh, 1999 movie starring John Travolta. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Old movie. Was Samuel L. Jackson in that? Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I have it up here. but uh, No, I'm thinking of basic. Never mind. Okay. Yeah, no. The James Cromwell, Timothy Hutton. Looks like James Woods. Murder mystery thing. Yeah. Um. Anyway. How much is would that movie be worth to you all? How much would you pay to see that movie? On ninety nine cents. I'm sorry. Okay, well, so we got ninety nine cents from Jay. On what format? Uh, any format doesn't matter. But but for the sake of this argument, let's let's go with DVD, maybe VHS. Free at a garage sale. Five ninety nine DVD. Five at a used sorry. store. Sorry. I've just confirmed it was VHS. Uh, it, I, found, I found it in this giant Rubbermaid container of other VHS that I bought for $10 at a garage sale. Well, you paid a lot for a, a container of VHSs at a garage sale. But uh, anyway, the reason I bring this up is uh, so apparently one gentleman back in the year 2000 Actually, actually, rolling over from December 31st, 1999 to January 1, 2000, made headlines because one upstate New, York, New Yorker quit
quickly found himself making headlines after the Y2K bug seemingly focused its wrath on the computer system of his local VHS rental store, which caused him to look like, according to their computer system, that his copy of The General's Daughter was 100 years overdue and his bill was $91,250. The movie didn't cost that much. (laughs) Yikes. They quickly figured out what was going on. It was fixed, and uh, apparently they even gave him a free video rental for his troubles. (laughs) They give him a free copy of The General's Daughter. (laughs) (laughs) Just keep it. Just keep it at this point in time. You guys ever see the uh, episode of King of the Hill where Hank Hill gets an overdue charge for a dirty movie? And he fights uh, with a guy. They, they kind of, uh, I did not rent that tape. It's like, well, the computer says you do, sir. Now, one of you was calling me a liar. Is it you or the computer? Because I want to know who's ass to kick. Sir, the computer says, okay, where's the ass on this thing? It's my favorite Hank Hill quote. Oh, uh, Gotta Beautiful look. trivia, Scott. Anyway, thank you. I got one for you. Uh-oh. Do you know the first use of the term computer bug? Uh, I don't recall the specifics. But wasn't it like Nin- a, an actual insect got into a machine or something and caused it to short mm-hmm. out? 1947 at Harvard University in Cambridge, work on the Mark II supercomputer uh i think was co-sponsored by the navy or at least the first one was um there was the the system stopped working shut down and the the staff on hand went to try to figure what the problem was and they traced it back to a moth a literal moth had flown into the computer and it had been crushed to death by the contacts mm-hmm. they took a pair of pliers removed the moth started the computer up again everything worked fine but in the log book um william burke was the guy on duty put the bug in the log book scotch taped over it and wrote the phrase first actual case of bug being found in computer uh that page with the moth still attached now sits in the smithsonian museum Nice. I knew I knew it was an actual bug got in. I couldn't remember when or where, and I didn't know about it being in the Smithsonian. See, I got to look that up now. I got you covered on that one, Scott, because it was in one of the documentaries I watched that sparked this week's topic. But before we get into all that, let me introduce our third and final co-host. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us from somewhere in time and space, perhaps via the DeLorean, it's the Doc. This week on Shit I Heard in Film Class. Shit J Heard in Film Class. I'll keep this like sweet. I just made it up. I do. I'll keep this sweet and short. Short and sweet. Uh, we finished Singing in the Rain. Uh, are you guys familiar with Singing in the Rain? Um, so the, the female lead, uh, Lena Lamont. I can't remember the actress's name who played her. But she's supposed to be super annoying and ditzy. And that's how she plays it off in the movie is super annoying and ditzy. And she has a very nasally voice. And she's always like, what do you think? I'm stupid or something. And she's supposed to be annoying. You guys agree she's supposed to be annoying? 
it's it's something we covered when discussing the movie. So I do like a recap before we start up because we only have 43 minute classes. So we'll watch a bit. And then when we start at the next class, I'll be like, OK, here's where we left off. You know, she's super annoying. So then I have a fill out a report. What did you like? What didn't you like? Tell me what you thought. Who was your favorite character? Who was your least favorite character? A student in my class. And oh, this will be no shock to you whatsoever. It's the same one who didn't understand Casablanca. After at least four or five students had shared that they that Lena Lamont was their least favorite character because she is so annoying. Fair. Chimed in and said, Lena Lamont was my least favorite character. Okay, why? Because she was annoying. Thank you. Thank you for that <laughs> wonderful, in-depth, and insightful piece of information. Um, do you have anything else to add? Nope. Okay. It's my favorite question when I'm talking to movies about something. Ah, oh, that was terrible. Okay, why? I just was. No, 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 no. Why? <laughs> Good time. There's no but... wrong answer. Just why didn't you like it? The majority of them liked it. It's just this one student. I'm not sure he really understood what was going on. I was like, they're singing, dancing. Like, <laughs> you don't have to like it. It's not a requirement. Just tell me why didn't you like it? That's all yeah. you have to do. There's no wrong answer. There's uh, singing. I, there's dancing. There's raining. I was, I was on my phone the entire time. Even okay, though you know, I'm not supposed to have my phone. There is a wrong answer. That's it. That was the one wrong answer. God. Anyway, there you go. That's shit, shit Jay's kid said. Heard in film class. Do, 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 do. We'll workshop it. So. Hey, so we got this. Is the let's all go to the lobby music, is that copyright or is that public domain? Because if that's public domain, we could have some fun with that shit. Let's all go to Jay's film class. Let's all go to Jay's film class. Let's all go to Jay's film class and hear what shit was said. That's, you got to, Scott, you got to, you got to. You gotta. I hope you're recording so that you timestamp that because that will now be the intro. John ad-libbing that has to be the intro now. And... We are at nine minutes and twenty seconds. <laughs> All right, good, good. Yeah, so good. <laughs> it'll hey, be the one. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> it'll it'll be the one thing on John's soundboard. I'm finally on the soundboard. Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you uh, want to start a, a John soundboard, no, 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 no. the J soundboard is way more fun. He has way better sound bites than I do. I'm fine with that. Uh, well, today's actual topic, um, again, it's a little bit of a hodgepodge. We're going to pitch a movie collectively. We're all just going to kind of throw ideas out there and riff on stuff and, and, and yes, and our way into piecing together something that resembles a story plot in a movie. But that movie is going to be a colossal what if. So if you're of a certain age, you might remember y2k the year 2000 specifically the y2k bug or the y2k virus which is not an accurate description at all the y2k problem whatever the computer glitch known as the y2k bug in its most simplistic form if you weren't around or if you kind of remember but don't really remember basically from the inception of computer programming to designate a year they rounded down just the last two digits. So 1994 would just be 94. 
1950 would just be 50, whatever. Now, people pointed out, hey, that works. It saves a lot of memory on these early computers when that was a big thing. But that's going to be a problem down the road. Like, you know, eventually we're going to hit the year 2000 and it's all going to. Yeah, yeah. And then what happened was, you know, people on the upper end was like, yeah, but that's that's like 40 years from now. We're not worried about that now. We'll we'll get to that when we get to that. Well, in the mid to late 1990s, we got to that. <laughs> and people people started realizing um, one guy, in particular, Peter DeJager, uh, a computer expert started sounding the alarm around 95, 96 of, hey, there's this glitch that's going to happen. And it's inherent in every computer code we use for everything we use computers for that we've known about for years and no one's done shit to, to, to fix. And in the early days, there was legit cause for concern over this bug because essentially what that meant was at the stroke of midnight on New Year's Eve going into 2000, computers would reset and rather than being the year 2000 it would reset to the year 1900 exactly what that would do to all these individual systems we weren't sure but we knew it wasn't a good thing and the big problem early on was hey look we've known about this but no one's doing anything to fix it like this is a solvable problem but we're not working it we're just ignoring it so finally around 97 98 people got serious about it uh the government formed Hold on, I wrote this down. <clears throat> the U.S. State Department Year 2000 Program Management Office. That's a mouthful. AKA, yeah, a.k.a. Y2K PMO, Program Management Office. Which was headed by... Y2K PMS, got it. Exactly. A uh, dude named John uh, Koskinen was uh, put in charge of it. He was referred to in the media as the Y2K czar, even though that wasn't his official title. But basically it was, hey, figure out how to get us ready for this so it doesn't turn into a disaster. And that, in in a nutshell, is what the Y2K bug was. But that's not necessarily what we're interested in. Because the far more interesting thing is the social experiment that was the last couple of years leading up to the year 2000 where people went absolutely fucking crazy about Y2K, as you would expect people to do. Uh, Partially because it was in that magical time when people still didn't understand how computers worked at all. Uh, It was, keep in mind, the internet was still new. You know, AOL was the big thing. Uh, Personal computers in your home were becoming more commonplace, but they still weren't necessarily the norm. Uh, We were still in the very early age of the internet the information superhighway all that shit still there's there's more computing power now in your 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 middle school kid's smartphone than what we had in our homes back then but people knew computers are big they're controlling everything we should figure out how these work our kids especially should be exposed to computers and learn how they work because it's the future but we still didn't understand we weren't that far removed from weird science where you can just computer magic a woman into existence because computers and you don't want us exposing ourselves exactly Jay. so people's fears drifted from plausible and legitimate to absolute paranoia stuff like okay well banking systems could collapse okay plausible it could you know, okay sure telecommunications companies could fail power grids could shut down uh, uh, air traffic control could shut down, which would somehow cause planes to just fall out of the sky. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, the government can decide to seize control of your property because everything is scarce now. They want what you have. And 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 what if the nukes, my God, the nukes, what if the nukes somehow go off because there's a glitch with the computers that controlled the nuke? Literally, dude, there were televangelists preaching that Y2K would be the onset of the apocalypse. People went nuts. Uh, and spoiler... When midnight rolled around at the year 2000, Jay, we were together. You remember what happened? Nothing. At least not to us. I mean, like, there's stories of, like, a few places where, like, what Scott said earlier, and, like, a few things where in, like, Japan at a railway station, the the ticket kiosks shut down for, like, an hour until they could get it figured out. Yeah. (laughs) There, There were some satellites that stopped working for about a day or something until they got the code figured out, you know, but. Yeah. By, by that time, all the major banking systems and stuff, they had been gone through with a fine-tooth comb. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. At a, at a tab of about $8.4 billion over the course of about two and a half years, we fixed it. <laughs> so it's, it's not a very exciting end, but it, we fixed it. Uh, and like Jay said, yeah, what happened? Nothing. We sat in my basement and played episode one, the video game for PS1. That's what happened. Nothing happened. But that brings us to today's topic. We're going to what if. And I want to double down on the what if. What if not only Y2K happens, but that's the less interesting part to me. What if in that paranoia, that hysteria around Y2K, I am shocked, still shocked, that the only people who made a movie about it was, I think, CBS made a TV movie called Y2K the Movie. That was it. Well, Hollywood didn't... Go ahead. There was one other. It, it was NBC that made it. It was NBC, just, okay. It was just called Y2K. Because I, I wanted to look this up real quick before we hopped on. There was two. There's a second, 1999. Uh, it's listed under Y2K, but the actual movie is called Terminal Countdown with Lou Gossett Jr., Um, The blurb, on the eve of the new millennium, the American military are alerted of a a long-missing nuclear missile hidden deep in the jungle, which is set to go off January 2000 due to the millennial bug. They must race against time to stop it. What? Okay. I'm not going to criticize that because I think we're going to get even more in the weeds. So here's what I am proposing. What if, say, 97-ish, Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich, the guys who brought you Independence Day, Stargate, Universal Soldier, the American Godzilla movie we don't talk about, the guys who went on to make nothing but disaster movies for the next 25 years, what if they had put their collective heads of knuckle together and produced a full-on Y2K disaster movie? What would that movie look like? Yes, Jay. I I I had an opening idea. You can feel free to throw it out because it just okay. this has been in my head since you brought this up, and this was gonna be my pitch for okay. the idea. Okay. So you remember the UFO crash in Roswell, New Mexico? I wasn't there, but sure. Yeah, I don't think any either of us right, remember right. it. 
but you're familiar with the idea. Yes. Okay, so this was my idea. It's a plant by aliens who planned the crash of this UFO because they knew that the Americans would take this technology and turn it into modern-day computers, and the aliens already knew of the Y2K bug. Jay, you just wanted to do your hands like this and say, aliens. aliens. <laughs> but no, that was my idea. I thought that would be kind of an interesting premise. Like, Put a pin in that. Okay. We'll circle back. Because I, I I, like that. Put a pin in that. That's batshit crazy enough it would have played in the 90s. Put a pin in that. That's some top shelf X-Files conspiracy shit, and I'm down for it. Here's like, my very, very okay. rough sort of idea. Three main characters that we're going to follow and one villain with a bunch of henchmen. And I'm trying to fold in as many of the Y2K paranoia propaganda shit as I can into one movie. So our lead is an IT guy who's been trying to blow the whistle on the Y2K thing, but no one listens to him. And since this is the 90s and we need a computer nerd, I'm going to pitch and we can debate casting. I'm fine with that. But my pitch for IT guy is Jeff Goldblum. Because you don't out-nerdy Jeff Goldblum in the 90s. Jeff Goldblum, the Y2K conspiracy theorist. I like it. And he's already worked with Dean Dillon, Roland Emmerich, and Independence Day. So there's going to be a few of those. They've worked together in the past, so we're going to fold them in again. You you could uh, I, I'm just gonna throw this back in there. You could tie in the Roswell, New Mexico alien crashes like a conspiracy of like, well, this is why we have computers to begin with. And it's like, wait, but aliens knew about this. And and <laughs> well, I like that I, idea. I, What's up? So I'm now I'm going off of Jay's thing. We'll we'll circle back, but I've got an idea to make it work as the plot hole. But yeah, okay, ahead. okay. Uh, second character. Uh, somebody who teams up with our crazy IT guy. So basically what happens is, okay, it's Y2K. We're watching the ball fall. It hits zero. Everyone's like, yay! And then, like, it's zero minus two. All the lights go out. Chaos, mass hysteria, dogs and cats living together, all that. And then we jump to, like, five days later. And that's when the story is set. Is It's like, everything crashed, but it's only, like, a week after the crash. It isn't, like... Five years later, and it's a post-apocalyptic society. It's not that bad yet, but it's it's going to head that direction if we don't do something about it quick. And that's what our characters are up to: is they're trying to 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 stop this from going full-on Mad Max territory. But our second character, who's going to team up with our IT guy, is our nutty survivalist buddy, because everybody knew somebody during Y2K who was stocking up. On, on you know MREs and water and guns and ammo and had a bunker out in the woods they wouldn't tell anybody about. And if you don't know somebody, you were that person. Um, now, this is a, a um, not crazy cuckoo. I mean, he is, but like in a fun way, you know? Uh, and then and that way that in, in 90s movies, you could make fun of people with mental conditions and it was okay. Uh, that okay. kind of tone. So... I'm going to cast, because this person can pull off the action scenes he's going to have to do later in the movie, and he can pull off the kooky kind of comedy. So, in a in a mesh between his take on 
uh, uh, Colonel Jack O'Neill from Stargate and Captain Ron from Captain Ron, Kurt Russell is my survivalist dude who's sort of an in-between of those characters. I just now I want to see a Kurt Russell Jeff Goldblum movie. Just right, right. It's an all-star cast of people who've already been in Dean Devlin, Roland Emmerich films. Uh, and then my third cast member to round everything out, and I'm trying to again trying to hit as many of the conspiracy things and fears we had. So I'm trying to to what are the three big groups to represent here? We have to have a government employee, somebody who's like the inside person, right? And they could be a low-level person in the government, but they've got enough government clout to, to open some doors and grease some wheels, and they know information, or other people don't, okay? Uh, I'm casting this as a female character, because you got to have your trio. you got to fill it out with a, a, a female. So our, our go-getter government employee who knows too much, who teams up with our crazy survivalist, who's a little happy if things went wrong, but not, you know, he wants to see him come back. And our IT guy, I am casting... Um, Courtney Cox, because this would have come out in the late 90s, and Friends was huge, and why not have a TV actress? Honorable mention, and if I don't say this, my wife will hurt me. Honorable mention to Gillian Anderson uh, from the X-Files, but I told her I felt casting Scully as the government person in a Y2K movie was a little on the nose. But that's okay. my main cast. And then our villain, our, our antagonist, is the opposite, the flip side of the coin from our fun, plucky survivalist, Kurt Russell. He is the leader of a militia who was, who was hoping and praying that this would happen because they've been stockpiling and they're ready to go. And the, the lights went out and they were ready to snap into action. And they are doing everything they can to just take over society and set themselves up as the new dictators because militias in the 90s were fucking nuts um i mean they still are but anyway uh people went nuts uh uh the the um michigan michigan militia or something like that like their numbers doubled in the like three years leading up to y2k because people were going nuts over it so i'm casting the the crazy conspiracy militia people as their bad guys but you got to have at least one face for your villains okay so the leader of this militia he's gonna have lots of cronies and you know uh, disposable pawns that are we can have cool action scenes and you know having fun action stuff happen to him because no one cares about him but the leader got to be somebody who's charismatic enough you can understand why people would follow that person but also has to on a dime flip and be crazy enough for you to be like whoa this guy's fucking nuts uh i think i regret following him and in the 90s today too but especially in the 90s there's only one actor who can be charismatic enough to get you to follow along with him and then go crazy enough on a dime to make you like instantly regret your decision nicholas cage okay no one likes that decision interesting yeah. well i get a I get a sour face from scott and it's just a silent nod from jay so okay because i like it I like the Nick Cage choice. So then, I'm open. Well, so so here's here's what here's what's getting me is we've got a casting for our primary protagonist, which is the nerdy guy. We've got a a, a survivalist nut dude, 
we've got a government person and 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 now we've got leaders of or leader of of like a militia group type thing but we don't have any kind of a plot we don't even know if those characters are needed because I, I, I don't know i don't know i'm just ah. the government lady knows enough to know that there's some facility out in i don't know new mexico right hmm? <clears throat> where the government was spending a lot of time, effort, and personnel trying to get this problem fixed. She's got enough clout to know something's out there, but she doesn't quite know what it is. So it's a race to get out to that facility to figure out what's there, because the good guys think it can be whatever we need to save and avert this, this catastrophe from becoming permanent, and the militia wants to stop them because they love things the way they are. This is their big chance. Everything they've said has come true. The government's gone nuts. The lights and the power have gone out. It's mass hysteria, and they're taking advantage of it. So they're racing against our heroes to stop them from getting there. I like it. It's a MacGuffin chase. So why aren't the people who are at the facility already trying to take care of the problem why aren't they taking care of the problem i don't know why aren't they okay that's the i don't have the whole story mapped out like that's let's talk no, it I, I like this i like this idea i like your i like your role players and i think i think there has to be some kind of connection between um uh kurt russell doomsday prepper and nick cage militia leader like Maybe Kurt Russell was in the, the militia for a hot minute. Ooh, they're ex-military. They served together. There you go. Okay. They served, okay. They served together in the Persian Gulf. There you go. More 90 shit. They served together in the Persian Gulf. They're out now. Um, uh, Kurt Russell's character is has been like childhood friends. They live in the same town with... Um, he lives in the same town as Jeff Goldblum. Like they grew up together and he was always the nerdy kid. And like, Ooh, Jeff Goldblum was like, you know, I'm going to go tropey stereotypical. He was the only child. And so he didn't have a lot of friends and he, he got picked on a lot. So Kurt Russell was his like bodyguard and Jeff Goldblum just got sucked into like nineties and computers and like war games is his favorite movie of all time. And, He's just like, I mean, like, we're just going to throw a shit ton of nostalgia at this because that's that's how you do it. I love all of that. Uh, and then, you know, Kurt Russell served in the Gulf with uh, Nick Cage. And when they got out, Nick Cage just kind of he never let it go. And he knew things were, were, were weird. And so he started up this like militia group. And Kurt Russell's like, dude, you're too crazy for me now. I can't deal with it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Scott. If you don't actually speak, I'm going to talk over you. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm just, uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm getting hung up on this. You got these people in this small town. This town, wherever the hell they're from, I don't think we've actually said small suburbs town. of a big city. We got to be big suburbs city adjacent. Okay, okay. Uh, suburbs of Chicago. I just there you go. That works. Well, why don't? Why not just in New Mexico? Why not like the suburbs? No, no. It's got to be got to be a cross country race to get to okay. this facility. Okay, gotcha. 
through the 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 turmoil of the Y2K bug. Because yeah, then we're traveling the world or this this uh, and seeing what everything's like. It's not just where they are; it's everywhere. Yeah, they're in like they're out in like the western suburbs of Chicago or something when this all goes down. So, so Nicholas Cage, his militia, Scott, Scott, yeah. could be the Illinois Nazis. Oh, God. <laughs> I hate Illinois Nazis. When we, when we, when we, when we first see Nicolas Cage, is there a picture of uh, 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 what's his name, um, Gibson, uh, on this wall? Yes. Uh, and a nice, an oil painting in a big frame. And a, and a nice gold painted eagle he on died his desk. In a mysterious car falling incident. The Blue as well as reference if you don't pick up on that kid. <laughs> so, okay, so they're in the outskirts of Chicago. Year 2000 happens, power cuts out completely and utterly. We fast forward one week. Dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Beanie uh, babies are the new currency. Yeah, yes. Or, or dogs. <laughs> I went back and forth on what's the most random 90s thing that would have been used as currency. <laughs> oh, my God. If you own a Tamagotchi, <laughs> you're like royalty. I have a Tamagotchi. Pogs. Good God, I forgot about Pogs. Um, so at some point, well, you know, so I, I, I'm, I'm guessing at some point we, we have to have a scene in which uh, our militia guy comes in contact with our nerdy guy and is saved by Kurt Russell. And then they can have a whole thing about, see, I told you this was coming. It's like, no, blah, 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 blah. But how does our weird corporate leader, government liaison lady come into play? Go ahead. Kurt Russell's ex-girlfriend. We're just going to steal from ourselves and borrow a plot line from Independence Day. Uh, Kurt Russell's militia dude, before he got out of the military and went crazy militia survivalist, uh, was dating Courtney Cox, who at the time was you know, starting her career in the government. Uh, maybe she was in the military before she got out of the military and then went into uh, public service. Um, so they're, they're exes, but there's still a flame there. But she can't stand him because he's crazy, and he can't stand her because she's part of the government he thinks is, you know, corrupting everything. Now, he's not as bug nuts crazy as Nicolas Cage, but he still is distrustful of the government, hence the survival. He's he's essentially Burt Gumber 2.0. Jay's got something. He's making a face. Okay. Again, traveling into trope land. Scott, Good. I'm taking what Scott said. How are we going to get this conflict between... Like Nick Cage and Kurt Russell, right? And like have this, and like Kurt Russell's got to save um, Jeff Goldblum's life, right? Is I think that's what Scott said. Is that right, Scott? I don't. I wanna... don't have to save his life, but he intervenes. This gets all of our players yeah. together at the end of Act One. Okay. You know, everybody knows. Blah, blah blah blah. So Courtney Cox is working in downtown Chicago in like a federal building as this is going on, and she's still going into work. 
uh, what if she was Jeff Goldblum's like sister? So we change it from him being the the only child. Now it's his sister. So and Kurt Russell was dating his sister because that would bring because that would bring Kurt Russell from being a recluse in the woods survivor and having some sort of need to go meet up there because Jeff Globloom, he's the computer nerd genius. So he knows what's going on and he has to go get his sister because she I'm, has access. I want to backpedal. So our okay. first big thing is, okay, I like where you're at. She's, she's still going to work. She's going to work in a government building. Good. I like that. I like that. Goldblum's there too. Cause he's, 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 he's she's bringing, she's bringing in any IT person she knows okay <clears throat> trying to figure out what's going on so they're both there they're there when nicholas cage's militia storms the building because it's a government building so our our kick off the chase is right before the militia breaks in is when you know goldblum's there trying to figure out what's going on with the it problem she brought him there and that's when she brings up uh this I don't really know what's going on. I know, you know, I, I, I have enough clearance to know there's something going on out there or maybe Goldblum spots something in some records that doesn't, you know, a lot of computer equipment or, or whatever is being shipped out there. Some breadcrumb lands in their lap to point them in that direction. And as they're starting to piece this together and figure out that, that maybe that's what's like, maybe whatever's going on there is, is where we should be. The militia people break in and it's an escape from the building, which is followed by an escape to get out of the city. So as they're trying, like, okay, we got to get out of the building. And they're like, well, out of the building isn't far enough. Like, this whole town has gone crazy. We got to we gotta get somewhere. I know somewhere we can go and be safe. And that's when Goldblum takes uh, Courtney Cox to uh, Kurt Russell's bunker, his, his secure facility that only he's supposed to know about, but he told his best buddy about it. Now he's mad about it because maybe he didn't. He got drunk one night and told his best buddy about his, his, his bunker and whatever. So that's what gets the three of them together is we got to escaping it out of the city. It's like, Hey, I know somewhere out of, out of the city. It's Kurt Russell's thing. We can go out there. And then our second big action scene is when the militia unbeknownst to them is tracking them somehow. And they meet up at Kurt Russell's facility. And it's the militia guys trying to invade Kurt Russell's facility with all of his uh, improvised booby traps and, 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 you know, full on, you know, pairing to what uh, military dude, like home alone, but like rated R, you know, uh, kind of uh, scenario, action scenario of, okay, well, I was safe here at this bunker, but you led the whole freaking militia. You let all the Illinois Nazis here, so we can't stay at my bunker anymore either. I guess we're going on your stupid road trip to the whatever thing out in the desert. Here we go. I think you broke, Scott. John. It's a pitch meeting, Scott. But how do they know that the, something's going on out in the desert? I don't know. Reasons. Paperwork. Paperwork. That was the breadcrumb. But they haven't gone yeah. anywhere to do any paperwork. But they the breadcrumb. That's like he's going through old files in the office. Like, he's trying to troubleshoot. And, like, it's not that the computers, ooh, maybe the computers aren't completely shut down. It's just they're on they're on the fritz. And that's but what he's trying to do is, like, he's trying to troubleshoot. Yeah, that's what I was bringing up is we can't troubleshoot code or systems because we've got all the power out. Scott, I need you. It's going to be hard. I need you to detach the part of your brain that understands coding and uh -huh. processing and anything about computers. But and this I need whole you thing, to put your, 
Yeah, yes, that's the that's the inherent comedy. It's all for nothing because it's all just a coding issue that we fixed. But we don't know that because we're Johnny yeah. Dumb public, and all no. we know is computers scary bad. No, I know, but what I'm saying is this is inherently a computer scary bad story. But we've turned all the computers off. I mean, it's... we have to get them back on. Okay, all right, hold on. Figure that out. If the solution is go to Nevada, turn the UFO off, wait to five, turn it back on again. That's the solution for our movie. Okay. It's stupid, just like the whole virus thing in Independence Day was stupid and overcomplicated. And if you think about it for more than five seconds, it would never work. I like, the where, 90s. I like where you're going with this, John. That's okay. the 90s. It worked so, in Jurassic Park. We'll do it here, too. So, Scott, how about this? Okay, what if instead of the power going out, everything starts getting really glitchy? Like lights are turning on and off and, like, it's not that the power's out, just, you know... Well, and like so, ATMs so, just yeah. start shooting money out randomly. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's, that's that's the thing. We have to have all of the we we have to play into all of the conspiracy theorists nuts from the '90s. What they thought was going to happen. Yeah, we, we have to make we, that actually have to happen. Planes crashed. Power is me, still on. Computers still work, but people have no money. They can't get access to the banks. ATMs are spitting out money. Um, you know, okay. Uh, yeah, like we paint works. a montage at the beginning of yeah. instead of, you know, it counts down and then all of a sudden the ball drops and everybody's like, yay. And then like we cut to a scene of an ATM and somebody's there with their card and they're going to put it in. And all of a sudden it's just like spitting out money. And then we cut to like airports and like the the flights delayed canceled or like going crazy, you know, and it's like. And then there's a plane that you see planes in the background just running into each other on the taxiway. It's just like... It's pre-9-11. We can get away with that. It's fine. Yeah. The trailer, Jay. I know. I'm getting way ahead of ourselves. The trailer, right? Yeah. It's got to be like close-up shots of the ball in Times Square, like all twinkly and shiny, you know? And this like, a, you know, movie announcer guy. For the people who brought you. That was Batman. I'm sorry. I don't want to do Batman. For the people who brought you Independence Day. And like you, you hear the five, four, and then you pull back and you see the ball just starting to drop. But then, just like Independence Day, when it hits one, the ball blows up. Y two K, yes, or whatever we're gonna call this thing. Okay, so we have title our... suggestions too. But okay, sorry, sorry, way tangent. You know, Jay's totally yeah. I like that. I'm, I'm connecting it for like, you, Scott. Yeah. Here we go. So montage things going crazy. Then it's like five days later. And that's when we get introduced to Jeff Goldblum. And he's like trying to figure it out. And he's like tracking stuff on his own own home computer because he's an IT guy. And because computers and it's the 90s. And that's when, you know, he gets a call because the phones are working, but they're kind of sketchy. You know, and it's like, hey, we're calling in all these IT people show up at this building, blah, 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 in downtown Chicago. You know, and he... And you can throw in like a little gag. He goes to get on the Metra and then the train just like fucking wrong goes by. And he's like, well, looks like I'm walking or looks like I'm driving, you know, and like he, he just sort of uh, that face that you just made there, Scott, where he's like waiting for the train and it just yeah. zooms by and he just is like. And then he just goes down, you know, like gets to downtown Chicago. That's where he meets uh, Courtney Cox's character. They're working on the computer. He finds this random file, breadcrumb, something about New Mexico. And 
Courtney Cox is like, I don't know how we're going to get to New Mexico. And he's like, I know a guy who has some connections. He's going to be really pissed that I took you here, but this is no, where no, we're going to go. She breaks in, we have to escape. Right. But he's like, that's when he's like, hey, I know where we can go. Right. And then the militia breaks in and he's like, we got to go. Right. And then, you know, car chase. And that's when they, they, you know, they, they have some guy who can track them down somehow, you know, deus ex machina type situation. Anyway, uh, they, so then they follow him and you have your home alone fun. There you go. I just connected all the pieces. How's that? Better. Okay. Better. So now our three heroes are together. They are on the road headed to the facility in New Mexico. The militia is hot on their trail. Yes, Jay? I'm sorry. I just thought of this because it's funny. That's because... fine, but both of you need to remember this is an audio podcast, so making yeah. <laughs> faces to the camera uh, is just dead air. So if you I, have something, I, vocalize it, please. I was going to. I just okay. like, it popped into my head, and I was worried that you I, you were rolling, and I didn't want to interrupt. And Anyway, so you know how um, I, you know, I live in Iowa. You lived in Iowa, right? And the I joke never. The joke is that, like, the Midwest is so behind the times that like their, their styles take so long to get to Iowa that they're out of style by the time they get to Iowa. That's always the joke. What if in our like road trip montage of like them getting to New Mexico, like they have a stop in Iowa and literally nothing has changed. Like, like people are still fine. They're going to the grocery store and they're just all like, the hell where the hell are we? And then somebody's like, "Welcome to Iowa." And then well, you, just... in, you know, in, in all honesty, having them stop over in a in a in a in a small town like like we really need some kind of supplies, and they find a town that nobody knows what's going on because they walk into the store and they still got the the the, the like just straight electronic push button registers at the yes. time. No no barcode <laughs> scanners, no nothing, and they're like, oh, they're all well, like the town. They're all like the the the. Um, old label style like money yeah. you know what i mean like where it's like 595 or whatever yeah, the, and the cashier's junk, just like junk guns yeah and the cashier's just like ringing stuff up on this old old time <laughs> register and people are just coming in and out there's just like some farmers sipping coffee at the bar or something you know at the chef at Goldblum tries to pay with the credit card like sorry son we don't take that here yeah you got cash. But, it, but it's visa it's everywhere i want to be Nah, sorry it's it's everywhere I want to be, not Podunkville, Iowa. <laughs> they or, bag it up in a paper bag. Have a nice day. Or they could they could bring out the kachunk chunk machine. It doesn't, you know. <laughs> oh, those. Hold on, Sonny. We go. We just got those in, and they pull out the <laughs> the, the carbon copy credit card thing. You can do those now. Just like blows the dust off of it or something. It's like nobody usually uses these. It gets a little dusty. <sighs> We just got these in. That, that's the punchline. Ah, yeah, we we can take those now. We just got one of these. <laughs> Sign here. And they're all just like, what the hell? We're, have a nice day. <laughs> okay, sorry, John. That's what I wanted to... No, I love... I think I'd put it further out, maybe, but I love the idea. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 I'm, I'm on the road trip encounter, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so what else did we run into on the road to the facility in New Mexico? I I kind of want 
and this is just me being me, but I kind of want like a Mad Max-esque group somewhere on the way that is just like completely gone batshit crazy. Like even crazier than Nick Cage's. Oh, Oh, hold on. I got one for you, Jay. Uh, I was just uh, even crazier than Nick Cage. And it's it's leader. Okay. Hold on. We don't want to do Mad Max. We don't want to just repeat Mad Max. But again, anytime I get stuck, I'm going back to my list of, of things people were afraid would happen during Y2K. Somewhere we passed a nuclear power facility mm-hmm. that has been leaking radiation because Y2K. So the denizens of this town are now, yes, Scott, in the span of one week, to shut up, are now radiation mutated zombies. Not zombies, but radiation mutated monsters. Oh. Because Y2K happened. And that caused the reactor to melt down, and it was leaking radiation because computers. Do, do, do we get a cameo with the Toxic Avenger? Is Toxic? Fuck yeah, we do. Can Toxic. Maybe maybe Kurt Russell fights one off of the mop, and they just take it. Uh, we can make that happen. Um, I, I was gonna say, can the can the leader be John Travolta? Sure. Because then, see, here's here's what radiation uh, uh, mutated people gets you. Uh, a pass with the MPAA for some ultraviolence. Because maybe their blood isn't red. Maybe it's blue or green or whatever. And we can unload on them with all the cool crazy guns that uh, survivalist Kurt Russell brought with them. And they're, they're I'm assuming, some kind of souped up, uh, I don't know what, Bronco uh, <coughs> for this road trip that they're on. <laughs> Yeah, 90s. Let's embrace it. The souped up white Bronco. Can it be a white Bronco with the license plate that just says OJ? I feel like it has to be. <laughs> um, and then, so ooh, yeah. uh, side gag with Courtney Cox where she like gets in and there's like a kitchen knife with a pair of black gloves. <laughs> and Kurt Russell's like, those aren't mine. And then you just. <laughs> Did that happen in the 90s? Yeah, it was like 92. OJ? Yeah. Yeah. It was like 91 or 92. Really? Was that, it was that long ago? Yeah, we're old, Scott. No. Yes. I assure you, we are. No. They're, they're, they're people who could be working in our office who have no fucking idea what Y2K even was. Ah, uh, God. They're in happened. There are people who work with me at my school who were born after Y2K. Yeah. Yep. And they're teachers now. Yeah. Embrace it. Okay. So we got uh, <laughs> small town that time forgot. I love that bit. Uh, and we got our, our nuclear radiation mutants. Uh, anything else before we hit uh, hit? Uh, New Mexico and get the Jays big third act reveal. I don't know if there's any other Y2K references we could make. Well, we here. got the planes falling out of the sky. We yeah. got the nuclear. Uh, um, the, we, we kind of eschewed the power grid failing because we wanted there to be it's, it's on the fritz, but it hasn't gone out yet completely. Um, banking systems. We did that I, with the ATMs going nuts. Telecommunications I, failures. We haven't, I don't know how you work that into that, but 
I got it. it okay. <laughs> I got it. Okay. So they're like driving and like Jeff Goldblum or Courtney Cox is like, I got to go to the bathroom. And they're out in the middle of like, I don't know, South Dakota, Nebraska, just out in the Great Plains somewhere. And they stop next to this giant like barbed wire fence. And you just hear <laughs> like a garage door opening and closing. And then like as they're like, what the hell is that noise? It's like, I don't know. Then as you drive away, you pull back and it's like nuclear missile silos that just keep like opening and closing because they just can't like, <laughs> you know, and they're scrambling to be like, shut it, shut it. Like, I just like a gag, like a sight gag. No, I'm sorry. That can I be just, the montage. Well, just, yes, Scott. Silo doors are like huge, like like acres of land huge like if you're close enough for to hear a silo door opening you're, you're probably feeling the ground tremble hey maybe that's how they find the facility jay i was i was just trying to think of funny gags for also um yeah i have an idea for the third act when we finally do get there by the way okay i think we're about there yeah well, since it is the 90s and mm-hmm. everything, and we, I, I know that we're looking at an Area 51 kind of a thing going on here. Uh-huh. But I feel like, because of its thing with the late 80s and 90s, and apparently Jeff Goblin's character loves war games, we have to have the Cheyenne Mountain Complex in here somewhere. Okay. You know, just saying. Got to be there somewhere. So how do we work that in? Um, well, first of all, we don't know how they know where they're going yet. They found coordinates on some of the paperwork, uh, no address, just like latitude and longitude and, and, um, crazy Kurt Russell knows how to navigate to those coordinates. And so they're heading towards those coordinates on a map. Well, we're. Where is the this complex? I don't know. Should be Cheyenne. the Cheyenne. Should yeah, the Cheyenne. Uh, is this the Cheyenne Mountain complex? Should be Cheyenne, Wyoming, right? Can be. How far is that? I wonder from the Devil's Tower. We can't do Devil's Tower. It's already been done. Yeah, it is. Um, right, but I was just trying to think of another funny oh, thing. It's actually in uh, Colorado. Oh. It's next to Colorado Springs. Well, there you go. Yep. It is, it is located in unincorporated El Paso County, Colorado. How far is that from New Mexico? Because I kind of feel like I kind of feel like if we get to if we get to Area 51 and we find the big reveal, they're not going to be able to do anything from Area 51 because that's where the technology originated, but that wouldn't be where the technology was implemented. I don't know. Again, we're just going to turn it off, turn it back on, because all of the internet computer in the world flows through this one secret complex. Because we don't understand how it works, Scott. 
Okay. Remember, this is the era of Johnny Mnemonic and hackers. You know, hack the Gibson, uh-huh. hack the world. People don't need to understand how computers work to make entire movies about fucking computers. Ah, uh, where you've got a you've got a majorly downshift, Scott. Hackers, the net. Oh, God. Yes, yes. It's scary because we don't understand it. Not because it's okay. actually scary. Just we don't get it. I got it. Okay. okay. All right. Hold on. Uh, hold on here. What the hell is okay. this going on here? I got a thing that popped up that I don't need popped Keep up. Keep in suspense now. I don't need you. Okay, Scott. So yes, I googled yes. it. Okay. I used the Google Maps. Okay. Okay. Interstate 80, which goes through Iowa and Nebraska, goes into Colorado, right? Uh-huh. And if you continue on it, it will connect you with another interstate that can take you to Las Vegas. Uh-huh. Now, Area 51 is in the Nevada desert somewhere. Uh-huh. So, logistically speaking, okay, logistically speaking, if they wanted to travel from Chicago to, say, Las Vegas, Nevada, the most likely way that they would take is Interstate 80. Uh-huh. Which goes through Denver, which is north of Colorado Springs. So as they get into Colorado, Jeff Goldblum's character can be like, oh, my God, we're in Colorado. How far is Colorado Springs? And they're like, why do you want to go to Colorado Springs? And he's like, if we're on the way, the Cheyenne Mountain Complex is out here. And they're like, sorry, what? What are you talking about? And then that's when we get our. He's a huge fan of war games and like that's, you know, got him into being an IT guy. And so they take a detour to the. Uh, so so we're going to we're going to take a break from saving the world to do some sightseeing. Yes, because it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, you know, you're in this serious like I mean, we already did. To me, this the idea of this movie seems to be like we've got serious moments of action and like super tenseness broken up by extremely goofy things that serve no purpose whatsoever. Like the the town that time forgot the the leaked radiation at the uh, power plant. Yeah, we do, have, we do have a whole town of apparently mutated uh, radiation zombies. Led by John Travolta. So Led by I mean, John Travolta. So, like, the <laughs> fact that they're on I-80 and Jeff Goldblum's just, like, sees a sign that says Colorado Springs and he's like, we gotta stop. And then it's just like a, I don't know, like a five-minute blip what of is, him. Okay, like, okay, hang on. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> if we're doing this, if we're gonna lean into this. What if it's in the middle of the night, he's driving, the other two are asleep. And when they wake up, <laughs> he's decided to take a detour. <laughs> he's standing. He the sign. <laughs> He's standing outside the giant door with his hands on his hips like, look at it. Would you just look at it? And they're like, where the hell are we? (laughs) Chef's kiss. (laughs) There's just a guy at the gate and he's like, no, I got I got a government lady with me. She could can't we just just let us in just for a minute. I just want to. Can we take a picture together? (laughs) They wake up with guns pointed at them. Isn't it great? Yes, <laughs> they get taken. It. They get taken uh, 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 prisoner 
And Courtney Cox talks him out of it because she's got some pull with her government position. And as they're being escorted out of the facility, just in the background, we don't have to draw attention to it. There's there's a door that just is just marked SGC. Stargate Command. Scott gets it. It's the <laughs> same we, directors. Can they walk out of like? Can they walk out of? wherever they're being detained and there's the giant map in the background of like the entire world with like the DEFCON and Jeff Goldblum's, you know, just staring at it. He's like, Oh my God, it's real. And the other two are like, let's just get the hell out of here. Uh, yeah, I can deal with that. That's uh, yeah. Okay. The, so I like John's SGC. To the background, <laughs> and nobody's gonna point to it because nobody can point to it and just be like, "What's SGZ SGC stand for?" And then they just like keep going, keep going. Well, Kurt Russell would have to be the one that, uh, like, yeah, don't worry about that. No, no, no. oh, there Jeff you. Goldblum points it out, and Kurt Russell says, "Don't worry about it. Keep walking." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. All right, so okay, you got something. I was just going to say, what if Kurt Russell's the one who, like, stops and lingers in front of the door? Nobody says anything. He just stops and sort of lingers and then turns back around and, like, raises his eyebrows and just keeps walking. I like my bit better. (laughs) Okay. Act three. Scott, what do you got for us? I see you had something for act three. Yeah, that was was the the NORAD thing that we just went down. Okay. Was, Okay. Was having that there. Yeah. Was, was having something to do with 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 the Cheyenne Mountain complex. Yeah, we just went straight. Okay. So yeah. Okay. So we finally get to wherever we're going. The coordinates on the map. What do we find, Jay? We find an, a crashed alien vessel that is hooked up to a bunch of wires that apparently is the internet. Beautiful, Jay. Beautiful. Understood the assignment perfectly. <laughs> Love it. No notes. Just huge giant cables sticking out of this ship, and they're like, what? you know, little, and you, little AOL logo somewhere in the background. You just see, you see, like military and like government personnel scrambling, you know, trying to figure it out, and they're like, what? We just can't do this, and then. Uh, I mean, do you do you just want to go straight to the Jeff Goldblum saying, did you try turning it off and then turning it back on? Well, okay, we got to go Jurassic Park on this. And what I mean by that is, in the movie Jurassic Park, the way we get Jurassic Park back online is by turning it off and turning it back on again. Now, we don't say that. We have all this... We've yeah. got to reboot the blah, blah, reset the blah, blah. Oh, look, it tripped. The, the breakers have to go back. We convolute it, but essentially, that's all we're doing. So we never say, well, have you tried turning it off and back on? We're never going to quite put a lampshade on that, but we're going to gobble the gook up to turn it off and back on again. And, and while they are in the process of turning it off and turning it back on, they're fending off Nick Cage's militia. Because they found well, him. Well, yeah, so so that's when, so Act 3, we get to the facility, wherever that's at, you know, and we gain access to the facility, 
Um, I, I really think Jack Nicholson needs to be in charge of the facility. That's, that's just kind of me as far as... If you can get him, why not? Yeah, why not? Hey, we, we have an unlimited... A, we can get him for a week, like uh, uh, yeah. a few good men. Yeah, we have an unlimited budget here. It's okay. Um, the 90s? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so... Uh, but no one can figure out exactly what's... Why shit's not working anymore. Because it's worked great it's, since we plugged it up and everything's been been going but but now it's it's not hence jeff goldblum has to start doing his stuff then nicholas cage's people finally show up but when they show up we have to have something that shows they've been through every wacky thing that our people have been through but they didn't fare as well right i don't know how like you you know half of his people have to be zombies maybe he's he's recruited some of the farmers from the town that uh Time forgot, and he's recruited some of the mutated zombies because they're mad at our heroes for running through town and killing a bunch of them and running off again. What if? Okay. Uh, well, okay, all right. This is gonna be, this is gonna be kind of a long way around to get there, but it would be funny for the people who caught it, and like you could make it big but not big. So when our hero group is in the small town that time forgot, next to where they're checking out are bumper stickers for the town. Right. And when Nick Cage's militia group shows up, all of his vehicles have the bumper sticker. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, what if his people maybe have like uh, they've commandeered some government uh, military, like uh, like a an Abrams tank pulls up with the, the town bumper sticker on it. Yes. Just like any vehicle they have has the bumper sticker because they rolled yeah. through town. And the the nice people of the town that time forgot gave them some nineties Humvees, and then some of the vehicles have the weird colored blood splatter on them. You know, <laughs> maybe they've got like one of their guys is tied to the roof as like a weird radiation zombie. They just didn't want him to die. Like they, <laughs> I dig it. So Kurt Russell has to go out and and fend off the militia nuts with the security forces at the facility. That's our that's our one storyline we cut through is you know the big battle, and then the 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 other storyline we cut back to is is the fixing the the UFO that is the internet. Well, see, then you can tie back in that Kurt Russell was in the military because he knows the well. He might not know the base commander, but he's like, I was I served blah 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 in blah 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 he knows how to use the equipment they have whatever it is yeah yeah i like it okay well i don't hate it there's still bugs to work out yeah so the movie's predicated on sir (laughs) is that the problem jay a moth that's the problem an insect a bug got inside the ufo and jeff goldblum had to fish it out and then we had to reboot the system turn it off and back on and it works fine again can 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 we have a can we have like a mid-credits or like a post-credits scene where they're like you know relaxed like oh we did it and then like an alien ufo shows up and kurt russell goes oh now what no, 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 no. I, I know where you're going, but it's not the, the UFO doesn't show up. So 
after everything boots back up and we have our celebrations and yay, we fix the world and, and everything like that, all world data and stuff apparently can now flow back through this UFO again. Um, um, we, 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 we roll and then we do a post credits thing or an, 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 a post script uh, where when they boot back up, it, it trips something in the alien spacecraft which sends a signal out. And we, we, we cut to the aliens receiving uh, the signal. The last 50 years of human knowledge that they missed from when the ship crashed. Yeah, and maybe it's Dan Aykroyd with an elongated forehead. I'm just saying. I don't know. I'm just, you know. We but... just see silhouetted elongated foreheads. That's all. <laughs> ah. France. France. We come from France. It comes from France. Yeah. But anyway, but yeah, so that's your post credit. When they boot back up, it sends yes. a signal. Yes. We have our, our, our setup. As the credits roll and we hear, is it R.E.M.'s end of the world as we know it? It's the end of the world as we know it. Yeah. And we feel fine. We feel fine. We are jiggy with it. Yeah, maybe Will Smith does a a rap for the soundtrack. (laughs) Because it's the 90s. He's not in the movie. Uh, No, just, just on the soundtrack. That's what, but that is what we need. We need like major '90s superstars just making cameos in weird spots. Uh, like, ooh, we'd have like Charlton Heston could be the uh, guy working in the town that time forgot. Working at the Dan Aykroyd is the leader of the facility in New Mexico. Oh, that'd be a the good general one. or whatever. I like that. I like the Charlton Heston one too. If Wayne's World could get him, why can't we? Or was that Wayne's World 2? It was 2. Okay. Two. <sighs> Charlton Heston is in Wayne's World 2? Yeah. Yeah. For like one scene where he's uh, uh, the guy at the gas station. Wow. Starts giving a monologue and Wayne goes, really? Is this the best we can get for this? So they pull him out and bring in Charlton Heston in the same costume and he starts doing the same monologue. And then he's like, it's two streets, time. two blocks down, three blocks over. Or something like that. It's been a long time since I've watched either Wayne's World movie. Uh, well, folks, there you have it. That's our pitch for a super what if. What if pre pre Y2K, Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich got together with an unlimited budget, made a giant crazy action movie about people's misunderstandings of what the hell Y2K was. Jay, I would have watched it. I, I would watch that. Jay, I think we would have been there opening weekend. Yep. For sure. I'd have been laughing my ass off at some of those parts because that's funny. I like the the action spliced with just completely ridiculous comedy bits. That... <sighs> Scott's being attacked by a cat. Well, all right, there you go. I think that's all we've got. I think that we've, we've left everything on the field. So, look, what uh, 90s tropes did we not work in you think we should have? Are there other characters we should work in there? Are there other crazy Y2K conspiracies left over? What should we pitch for the sequel? Uh, let us know, and maybe we'll, we'll roll it into another episode. But until then, this has been your weekly Nerd Alert.